Hi, welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This is Dave Pryor, and today I'm psyched because we're doing our third and possibly the last of the Cost of Delay podcast interviews. And Dean Stevens is somebody who has used it, and he's offered to spend some time talking with me about how he's used it. So if you've not checked out the other Cost of Delay podcast, my goal has been to try to make it a little simpler for myself to understand. It's something that I have struggled with since I first heard about it, and I've done. I've had you know some people, um, Marty Bradley, um, and Jim Hayden took some time out to explain to me different aspects of it that have made it seem a lot simpler. But I still have yet to get into how somebody's actually used it. So I'm very grateful that Dean is taking time out of his morning. Um, as I mentioned, Dean's an enterprise transformation consultant at Leading Agile. Dean, can you explain what that actually is? Yeah. Hi, Dave. Yeah. So uh, what, what what I do is I'll come into an engagement with a client. We'll we'll talk to them about what they need uh, as far as how do we move an organization to be more predictable, stable, and leading to more lean and and agile. Um, my focus tends to be on portfolio program type areas, which doesn't always sound that agile, but it's in a big organization. How do you decide what you're going to do? What are your priorities? What is the sequence? Uh, and how do you make sure that the the portfolio and all of and the programs, the people feeding the work to the delivery teams are are aligned and uh, to move forward on the strategy? Okay, so do you find that at um, at the senior level that they typically have a specific technique for prioritization when you get there, or is it still kind of like angry lot executive wins the day? A lot of it is, uh, yeah. Who who's got the most sway? What do we think the executive wants? Uh, it's all very uh, implicit that we think that the executive has a strategy in mind and that they have a, a vision and that they know how to go forward. And and these executives uh, know that they're not that clear on what they need to do. And so we need a way to uh, help them articulate their strategy and, and get clarity and make some of this more explicit. And transparent. That's actually one of the really valuable things about uh, the, uh, the the agile approach, even at scale, is just transparency, visibility. How do we collaborate and get aligned? And yeah. the cost really helps us do that. So most people probably think of agile still as at the team level, but you're talking. I just want to make sure that that I'm clear on this, and for the folks listening too, that when you talk about program and portfolio level. Um, if I'm going with the standard definition of like a program, PMI definition, a program is a group of related projects. Portfolio is all the projects going on in the house. Um, and you're trying to determine, this, as you said, the sequencing, but also relative priority. You know, where are we going to invest our time and our money? What aligns best strategically? Things like that, right? That's right. And, 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 and we take the approach just at the team level where we, uh, one of our core beliefs is that we need teams at the portfolio level and teams at the program level. So we have uh, teams of people that are that are stable. We develop them into high-performing teams to work together to move the work forward. So does that mean that, uh, can you describe what a team would be like at the portfolio level? Like who would be involved with that team and what? how do they, they interact? So they're cross-functional teams. You've got people from the business. There's probably as many or more people from the business as there are in the technology group you've probably got a program a portfolio manager who helps coordinate and lead that senior business people uh, you have a an architect you might have a, a senior delivery manager uh, person on there 
we want to have a business architect, but most organizations don't know what that is and don't have that. But that helps close that gap between business and technology. And by having a cross-functional team across key technology folks and, and, and some senior business people, uh, then we, we can agree together and we have the information to, to, to agree on how we're going to move forward. Okay. So just so since you brought it up, what is a business architect? You kind of dropped that one in there. I don't want to let it go because people might be really confused now. Yeah, and I and and, and it, it's uh, uh, so a business architect. We we have an approach of capability modeling. It's an enterprise model. Simple. How do you see your business? What does a business do? And we can use that to help with uh, sequencing and 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 making sure we're doing the most strategically important work uh, and that sort of thing. So it's, uh, I don't want to go down the business architecture too much, It's a, it's a, but it's an important part of what we do and it's, it complements the cost of delay. A business architect is, is a, uh, uh, somebody who understands both the technology and the business side and can help uh, model the business. Okay, cool. So now let's get into it. You use cost of delay in the field how, first, how do you describe it to the customers, to, to your clients, when you want to introduce it, and then how does it actually work for you? Yeah, so first, so first let me describe the problem. The problem is, what are we going to do next and what's most important? And the answer is often, well, the, the executives say this is what we should do, but they're not even aligned. And, and so it's, a, it's, a, it's an ordering problem, right? It's, 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 it's what do we need to do next, and that's the problem. And if we've all been incented by locally what is my goal to achieve it conflicts with what your goal is to achieve how do we how do we appreciate uh the different aspects of why we should be doing things and what order should we do things in so that's so that's the problem uh and uh when i talk about this it's 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 simply just i don't even say prioritization i say how are we going to order the work to accomplish to move the business forward to get what the business needs needs done. And it's, uh, it's about how do we talk about it? How do we collaborate and come to some agreements on it? So it's a collaboration problem uh, that we're trying to solve. And, and that's, the, that's foundationally what I, what I talk about. And uh, I actually say it's not a math problem, although it feels like a math problem. It's not a math problem. Rarely do my customers or clients ever prioritize after doing the math, delivering the priority score that you get from the math problem, but it's remarkable how they gain appreciation and understanding across the different aspects of what their work, uh, the different aspects or dimensions of the work, and they come to a pretty clear agreement on what on what to do. And it's, uh, uh, it's remarkable to see people learning to talk to each other. That's what we do in Agile, right? That we people to collaborate. So yeah, I wanted to go back to that. You said it was a collaboration problem, which I think most people coming at because I, I, I started to hear about cost of delay when people would talk about prioritizing or ordering by value, and value was like jello on a wall that you could never actually define. And cost of delay was sort of a way that they were working through that. And one of the things I started to pick up from the conversation with Marty was that it's, it, it seems really scientific <laughs> on surface level, but once you get down to it, it's, it's kind of mathing out the guess. And the way you describe it, I'm thinking that you're doing that in order to, to be able to just look at it in relationship to the other things. So it becomes this relative thing and you can hopefully make more sound decisions with this new perspective. Is that fair to say? 
That's right. So anybody who's done relative sizing, relative estimating, as opposed to so so that's what we do, right? We don't do absolutes. We do relative sizing and uh, and estimating of stories. And if you've done that, you take that same relative thinking and you apply it almost with almost with points. Uh, and you take that same relative thinking to the different dimensions of cost of delay. You can now have conversations around. Is this more or less, I'll use user and business value, is, is this uh, the same more or less business value than the other items that we've got in the backlog? And so, so that's a good discussion. You actually can just move that up and down and come up with a score to validate our understanding. Like in, uh, it's, it's not always the estimate that's important. It's the conversation and the agreement that we got that right. we have a common understanding. Same way it is with, with sizing story. So can you give an example of how you might calculate this and compare one thing against another? So, so the calculations, and I, when, I, when I show up, uh, I have a very uh, standard level, here's how you guys are going to score this. And I actually, so there's three dimensions to it um, that we'll talk about a little bit more, but it's user or business value. It's time critical, which means there's a date that I have to hit. And then there's opportunity enablement. Uh, and so each one of those you can score, you have a conversation. I let them score between one to 16 using doubles. That's, that's how I guide them to, to, to score it. Uh, and for each one of those attributes, that's what they score. There's a, there's a fourth dimension, which is a swag, which is now that as a delivery lead, uh, I've heard all of this, how big do we think that is? The swag I actually use is ideal weeks and same scale, one, one to 16. Uh, if it's bigger than a 16, we need to right size it before we can really score it. So those, so those are the four different elements, and we do it on a scale of one to 16 using doubles. The math is I add up my score for business value, my score for time critical, my score for opportunity enablement. I divide it by my effort swag, and I get a... Uh, a number, and that's my priority score. All right, so just to make sure I have this straight, you're talking about the user business value plus the time criticality plus the opportunity enablement, and you're going to divide that by the swag, and the swag, again, is some manager's determination of, of priority or value or, or whatever it is based on looking at all those other things. Right. After listening to the business and the other people talk about those other things, they can come up with a swag. Uh, to, to be able to come up with that priority score. So if you had a group of five or six people, they're just going to have to come to something, mean, the same way with poker planning, you have to come to agreement for the value for each different factor here. That's right. And, and the, the interesting thing about it, the way these are framed are, I've got business people on my portfolio team, they're going to uh, be able to describe their business value and the relative value to the other work around, around value. Um, I've got compliance people in there or who, who have to hit a compliance date or a marketing date, if I've got marketing people in there, who can describe why this is time critical. And is, that's always interesting because is it really time critical? Because is there like a real date or is it sort of a fuzzy date? But we get to talk about that. And we get to inquire about that. And I have architects in there who are talking about opportunity enablement. We need to do some architectural work to enable our future strategy, uh, right? And so... Uh, Everybody has a voice at the table, and, and we learn from each other. Okay. 
See, I, can you can you clarify opportunity enablement a little bit further? That's still sort of a, a one I'm a little fuzzy on. Yeah, so that so that tends to be uh, they're 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 fuzzy on purpose. It leaves a lot of room for space. But the way it's <laughs> defined is uh, it's opportunity enablement risk reduction tends to be around technology, but not always. But it's how do you prepare a company's technology for future in alignment with business strategy? So I know that I want to go to something in the future. I've got to get some architectural work done ahead of ahead of delivering some some uh, functional features in the future. And a number would be higher than another because of the complexity of doing the work or the value that the work provides? The risk reduction, it's a hard one. And so it, it's, uh, on, on this one, it would be actually, we go back, so we go back to the cost of delay. What would the cost be if I couldn't do that? The cost would be, I have fragile systems and I continue to have fragile systems and I can't support the business in delivering value in the future. Okay. So that cost is a little bit nebulous, but that's sort of the key to cost of delay is if I didn't do it, what would it cost? In some cases, if I don't, don't do it, I can't deliver on my future strategy. Sure. So like the relative tax of non-action. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So, so you would have a group of people get together and size all these things together. And then I'm assuming after everything's sized, you're looking at them all with these different scorings. And trying to make a decision like, okay, now that we have this in this perspective, we still get to decide what we're going to do now and what we're going to do in a week and a month. Right. It's not just that the number automatically wins the day. There's still some right. subjective kind of tinkering that goes on. Well, here's what's interesting. It helps people expose their strategy in the way that they think. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I now have four different pieces of information, actually five. Uh, with the components that go into calculating the cost of the delay and the priority score. So I can take this, put it in a spreadsheet or uh, project management tool, and I can sort it by score, and people will actually do it on a wall is the most effective way to do it. And people look at it and go, hmm, yeah, that's not quite right. Um, and let's, well, let's look at it by business value. Let's look at it by time critical. Let's look at it by opportunity enablement. And let's, let's talk about it. And it, it's remarkable how quickly people will uh, – aligned to these are valuable, definitely strategic, got to do these because there's time and understand we need to spend some time doing the mix of them, if you will, right? And so uh, they because they've discussed it and they appreciate why we need to do these things relative. And by the way, we've filtered about three quarters of it out because three quarters of it turns out to be very low. Right. Uh, we can now have a conversation for the most important uh, you know, the highest priority things. And now you have to decide, well, what's one, two, three, and four uh, to, to go do that. But it makes the conversation much more informed uh, by doing that. The other thing it does is you can, you do this at the beginning of portfolio, the portfolio management process. You really don't have very much information. So you're yeah. making decision not to how we're going to deliver these in the next six to 12 months. What you're doing is you're prioritizing for what are we going to go into solution design for next? As we gain more information, you prioritize it again with the same conversations. So it's it's a you you continuously reprioritize the backlog, right? That's what we teach in Agile, and this is how you do it. So this we would be reestimating these possibly as well in the same way we would a user story when we got more information. That's right. Yeah. So we'll we'll as as we get more information, we will. Uh, uh, we, we can reprioritize these. We have a clear idea of the, the swag or the size. 
some of these other things may have been clarified and uh, we can then we then we re reestimated all of these if necessary. Okay, so um, the PM side of my brain, the one that used to teach PMP certification and loves all those old waterfall tools, is thinking about this the way you've just explained it and going, oh cool, more fake math. It's like three point per estimation. I can use math to make everything look like it's actually, you know, this this precise piece of data, which is okay because again, it's about the discussion. That's right. As a matter as a matter of fact, we just recently, uh, uh, after introducing this, uh, we were able to at a very large organization able to align uh, uh, eight different programs of work of ethics. And, and get consensus on prioritizing the order of those and sharing those with the, uh, uh, with the executives and they, who were on board with it. Everybody was, was aligned. What, what was interesting was we didn't align it based on the math and they had to explain that, right? And what came out of that was we need clearer articulation of our strategy around business value. We need clearer articulation of our risk profile just because it's, just because we have a compliance date, that's not a trump card that always puts it to the top of the list. Uh, we need to have a clear architectural roadmap. So what came out of all of that was the executive saying, we need to clarify strategically what we're trying to do. They actually agreed with the priorities, but the discussion around that revealed what they were thinking around strategically, risk profile, and uh, architectural approach. So can I say this part back? Because I want to make sure I was clear on the, what you said. When you said they didn't align based on the math, I'm interpreting that to mean everything was scored and they said, oh, that's not right. And so the discussion around, you know, whether it's risk or whatever, the different areas they need to consider more deeply, it's basically a conversation of we figured this out, it's wrong, we've got to have these discussions so we can either game the system or, or correct these estimates. I mean, I'm being a little judgmental about the math, but... Yeah, so, so it's why I say literally on the first slide of my deck, um, I actually say this is a collaboration problem, not a math problem. And okay. I say that about three times in every portfolio team meeting until I get them report, repeating it back to me, right? So this is, this is really neat to me because it's deepened my understanding of it. The way you're describing it, the whole process, the, the math and the sciencey part of it isn't the thing. The thing is it's going to show us where we need to be more clear as a group and make decisions as a group as well as gain that perspective. So it's, it's like helping you turn the rock over, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You're, you're, you're learning and you're sharing. It's, we're, it's shared understanding and collaboration where... We know why we're making these decisions. I appreciate why other people think their things or things are valuable, and uh, uh, it's it's a way to to me like estimating is a way to teach collaboration and shared understanding around a story. This is the same thing at a portfolio level is driving shared understanding uh, and alignment, and uh, uh, and and but you have to tell everybody it's not a math problem. So how many people get caught? I mean, don't you find that people like, until you, this conversation, I have thought it was all about math. Um, but you've completely changed your mind about it. Do you find that most people get kind of swept away in the math thinking that that's the point of it? Well, it's why, it's why I say, particularly <laughs> to collaboration ex-project ex managers, it's not a math problem. <laughs> I literally have We're slow-witted, Dean. you got to give us some time, you know? Yeah. It takes us a while <laughs> to let go. We can't help it.
Yeah. <laughs> now, pe- people love it. The, 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 the people who do this at that high level, being freed up from the math and having gained the system and having honest, honest conversations around yeah. these poor dimensions, um, it's just remarkable how when you get people to talk to each other honestly, uh, they, they, they get to the right answer. Yeah. Well, how do you explain to, so I, I mentioned a few minutes ago that like the PM side of my brain, you know, gets it and thinks it's cool and somewhat familiar, but to an agile person, like most of the folks, when I get them in class, I mean, this is at the team level, but if any of them have a technique of prioritization, which most of them don't, it's always Moscow or something. It's just sort of like, I like this better. Um, how do you explain to somebody who's used to a simple technique like Moscow that this is going to be a better way to go? So I've never actually implemented a cost for delay at the delivery team level. I do it at the portfolio level around epics where you have very little information. Okay. Uh, also use, use the thinking at the feature level, but, but by the time you've gotten to the story level, you should yeah. actually have some, uh, you should actually have enough data to, to, to prioritize some of these things in a better way. And it, and it should be around user value, right? You, you, you sort of buy user value or most frequently used some of those things. Yeah. I don't, I don't like to put a score on it, uh, on that, but you order it. It's about, we don't, we don't, it's not about scoring. It's about sequencing. Right. Okay. Um, and that's, that's what we do in story mapping, right? We sequence it based on most used to least used or, that thing, and you might not always get to the least used items. When you talk about sequencing, is that why ordering is the preferred term over prioritizing? Yeah, so prioritizing and ordering are different things. Prioritizing is getting the score. Ordering is how are we actually going to do it with considering the priority score, considering dependencies, considering the you know budgets, considering I've actually got a whole list of of other considerations that you actually prioritize around you know, strategic, right? Goals, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah order What we're really doing is we're ordering the backlog. We might prioritize the work, but we're really ordering the backlog based on a lot of other inputs. Okay. All right. And, and back to the user business value again, that's just relative value compared to another piece of work. Right. Right. Okay. And so that, I guess the reason that I'm asking about that one again is because it just, want to make sure this is clear for everybody that when we talk about relative user business value it's still like you you think this is more valuable than the other thing for the user and i think this is more valuable there's no calculation behind that either correct well here's the thing when you're when you're having this discussion you don't have the data to tell you really what's bigger this is really almost and Business executives and senior business people, they make decisions by their gut all the time. Yeah. This helps them formalize that. Now, what you're going to do is, the next thing you're going to do is you're going to do sufficient design and analysis on that to prepare a business case to validate your gut. Now you have some data, right? But what we're really doing is we're prioritizing what are we going to go do discovery on next? What do we think it's going to be next? And let's do some validation that there really is. Uh, some true business value where we're increasing revenue, increasing the bottom line, okay. cost. But but yeah, this is this is before we have that data. Yeah. How do we know what the biggest opportunity we might go on and explore next? Okay, so that's really interesting. I mean, I, I always talk about how, again, at the team size, all the data that we provide is all historical fact, and that that's why we always win the day. But you're using the the, the data and the math 
to figure out where to point the compass or where the compass should be pointed. Like, which hole do we go dig in? Right. Yeah. What do, what do we do next? What's, what's the next one we're going to do discovery on? Because these product owners or product owner teams uh, at the program level, we want to feed them the next most important epic to go explore, yeah. the opportunity to go explore, not give them everything, right? And this is how you huh. how you do that. That's a really great, I mean, it's almost like a divining rod for your MV, what's your next MVP test you're going to try to run. That's, that's exactly right. And that's what we do. They go, they do, they go understand what's, what's the next, uh, the next opportunity. And then they go look for the MVP for the next opportunity. And they should be able to come up with a business case of whatever, you know, so still not extreme, the detail, but they should go validate the market, validate the need, uh, and understand the size of the work more clearly. Yeah. Cool. I, since I, I use MVP, I want to make sure, because I'm like a stickler for this in my class. MVP is not what you decide you're going to release first. It's what is the least amount of work we can actually produce that will let us test and validate something. Is that how you would define it? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a better definition than most people generally use. <laughs> generally, yeah. Well, they got their MVP definition. It came with their Agile definition. So yeah, right, right. just more work for all of us. Cool. All right, Dean, I really appreciate you, you talking about this stuff with me. If if somebody wants to find out more about cost of delay and how to implement it at the enterprise level, do you have other specific sources you would point them towards? Yeah. So the book where, where I learned about it was uh, Dan Reinertson's book around uh, product development flow. That is a dense, uh, heavy math book. Uh, okay. But that's certainly uh, one place where you go get the foundational thinking on it. Uh, we have a couple of blogs at Leading Agile around cost of delay as well. If you go to the Leading Agile site. Okay. Uh, to, to look at. Those are a couple of places you could look. Cool. Yeah, I'll make sure to include links to those and to, to Reinertson's book as well. So, Dean, thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I feel like much clearer on this topic. Hopefully, the folks listening are as well. Um, if they want to get in touch with you after the podcast with more questions, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can go to the Leading Agile site and find my contact information there and get in touch with me, but it's dean at leadingagile.com uh, to email me directly. That's the best way to get in touch. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest yeah, of your thanks, Friday. Cool. Thanks a lot. You take thanks. care.